Yes, coming in hot with episode 22 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean and I'm joined by a man who's been drinking Carabao for months and has finally switched to Red Bull. Jobber. <laughs> yeah, great. Uh, obviously, I haven't slept in days. But um, no, look, what a week it's been. Um, I I turned to Arby on Thursday to celebrate and just haven't stopped drinking it. Um, but look, it's gonna it's a massive week, so let's hit the running order. Let's get into it. All right, let's do it. Um, so we got we'll do opening question. Then we're into weekly happenings. There's some big, big events there, um, especially in the Barcelona realm. Um, Champions League review, Premier League preview. Um, then we're into the socials from there. So let's do it. What's opening question? All right. So I don't know if you've heard, but Barcelona president Josep Maria Bartomeu resigned this week, and it left Leo Messi in charge. Um, as you can see from his performance this week, he was absolutely buzzing. So that got me thinking, so I thought, like, we need to think about bigger than football here because if we just keep bringing football people in, this is never going to work and Leo's never going to be happy. So if you could choose one person in the world to run Barcelona and it can't be Messi because he already does, who would it be? Well, I think the obvious candidate for this is Ronaldinho, straight out of jail, um, fresh off a coronavirus scare, straight, straight into the big chair at Barcelona. Simple as. And then um, <laughs> I noticed that all of the board resigned as well. So it wasn't just the chair. Um, all of the board resigned as well. So he's going to need um, a couple of board members. So I've selected everyone from that um, 1994 Nike ad in the airport to be on the board there as well. That, Under, that makes sense. Under, you? Mm. Yeah. Um, look, I thought I thought if you're going to run, you know, one of the biggest clubs in football, you need experience running big places that are shambolic that you could potentially make more shambolic. Do you sort of feel where I'm going with this? So the election's not till 2021. We have another significant election coming up. So a great leader could drop out of this two-horse race. So I think Donald Trump is Dick the man Hillary. to run. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, not Hillary. Oh, not Hillary. If those emails ever get out. No, um, I think Donald Trump's the man to do it. So he's got the experience. He's got the business know-how. He's got the backroom dealings. Um, and it's not till 2021, so we can take a bit of a break, go and stay at um, Trump Towers in Moscow, just, you know, get himself back together. And I think he's the man to run Barca. As far as the board goes, already taken care of. He's got like 100 kids. And we know that we know that if you want to install governance and make positive change, the best thing you can do is get rooms full of people with the same opinions as you. So I think Trump's the man to run Barcelona. Um, so, look, that's, that's my thinking. Um, I'm happy to be challenged, but I don't think there's a better option. And I think Barcelona will come to that conclusion in the next week or so as well. So the other big news this week is Cristiano Ronaldo was cruelly ruled out of Barca versus Juve with COVID-19. Did this mm. make give you a heavy heart? Yeah, it did. So he first tested positive for corona um, October 13 when he was on international duty. Um, and then he self-isolated. However, despite the fact that he'd been home in Italy, self-isolating for two weeks, he still returned a positive test ahead of the game and therefore couldn't play. Um, but did you see his Instagram post of him looking absolutely shredded um, with the thumbs up and that cheeky grin saying, um, I'm feeling good, trying to like sway the testers, I think. Yeah, but the other thing I noticed about that is that his haircut and he has a, he has a fairly oddly shaped head. It kind of looks like a pumpkin. He's he's got really lean too, like in some of those photos. Like his upper body's just so lean. Uh, I hope he's okay. And look, he's obviously been 
giving it to everyone because Alex Tellers, who uh, Manchester United recently signed, has also got COVID. So, uh, like, they just can't catch a break right now in Europe, can they? Yeah, Paul Popper um, had it recently as well, a couple of weeks ago. So, gave gave mm, it to Tellers. Yeah, so, and look, I suppose the other big, two big things this week, so Gareth Bale and Deli Ali both got starts this morning in the Europa League, so great news Spurs fans. Um, obviously, everyone's very happy about it. And the other one is 600-year-old Zlatan Ibrahimovic currently leads the Serie A scoring charts. What did you think of this? You wrote Zlatan off years ago. You said he couldn't play past 30, but look at him go. No, that, that, that's not true. No, I'm happy for him. I just, as I said, I don't like that shtick that he's still rolling out with. Like, I would have liked to have seen that. Or I did enjoy seeing that for, you know, 10 years, but now it's wearing thin on me. Um, I hope he um, retires gracefully rather than he's one of those guys who sits on the sidelines saying, I could have done that, could have done that the whole time. Yeah, okay. So I take what you're saying. So you're saying elderly people have no place in the workforce. All right, let's move on to the UCL review. So we'll start with the champions, Bayern Munich. So Bayern 2, Locomotive 1. What would you make of this one? Sharp performance by Bayern. I think if you're looking at the um, rest of this competition, they sort of stand out um, above everyone else, I think. Like they just look they look sharper, they look fitter um, than everyone else. And I think... After Bayern, you can almost pick your um, pick your runner up at, at this point. That this looks so sharp. So some good goals by by Bayern, um, and yeah, I think they're they're just cruising. And I don't think Locomotive gave them um, too much trouble, um, despite the scoreline being what it was. What do you think? Yeah, I thought I thought Locomotive like I think the the golfing class was. Um, a little bit too big. So that's 13 straight wins in the Champions League for Bayern Munich. But um, look, Locomotive were far from embarrassed. But um, I actually was really impressed with their goal for, uh, I'm going to have to look up his name here. So it's Miranchuk. Um, Just a sweeping move and a really nice finish. That was quite good. But um, Bayern's goal from Goretzka, again, was very slick. Uh, Flicked out to the right, one-touch cross in, Goretzka across front stick, bang. Nice goal. Both nice goals, but both of them weren't the goal of the game. Um, Kimmich's volley was the goal of the game. Jeez. Did you see that ball zinged into his feet and his first touch just sort of kicked up and he just absolutely cracked that volley? Really yeah, just, nice. he just put it up so nicely for himself. And the most pleasing thing about that from an aesthetics perspective was the keeper because the keeper, like, was wrong-footed by it. So he went, mm. to, he went to dive, realised he'd gone the wrong way and then fell over. So I think that just added to the whole, like, you know, the falling back, added to the whole cinema of the thing. But, um, no, look, Bayern are just cruising there, looking so yeah. comfortable. Yeah, I thought um, Pavard had a really good game out on the right-hand side as well. Um, up and down that right-hand side, he looked he looked really good. A couple of, um, you know, those, like, volley crosses that he does? Where yeah. It comes out, yeah. They just, make that look so easy. He did that for Gretzka's goal. It was, um, yeah. No, he looks good too. All right, so Bayern, moving on from Bayern Munich to our next one. So Man City 3, Marseille 0. What do you think? Man City are just two different teams. You look at them in the league and the performances and the results that they get. Um, but then they come over to the Farmers League that is the Champions League and um, just crush it. That looked really good. Far too strong for, for Marseille. And what a performance by KDB. Yeah, I, I had a look at this. I didn't get to watch this live, but I had a look at this last night and um, – I felt like from the first minute there was only one way this game was going. Uh, City were just way too good, and I think they like they didn't create as many chances as they probably should have, but um, oh, they just looked so much better. And De Bruyne's just so clever, like it, just his 
like his shoulder, like he's dropping the shoulder and some of the passes for the goals. Um, the first goal was just such a clever ball inside, a mistake from the Marseille defence. Everyone's waiting for him to shoot, just squares it up. Goal. What do you think of um, City playing with um, Raheem um, through the middle up top now, now that yeah. Aguero's gone out? Yeah, it was pretty fluid yesterday between Torres, um, Sterling and uh, Foden. Foden. Yeah, but mm. um, I think Raheem Sterling can do anything, to be honest. I think he's so good. Um, his finishing can be a little bit profligate, which you have alluded to before. But um, like I didn't mind. I think he's just he's smart enough and athletic enough to to work his way into that role. Like he's going to miss some things. But, um, yeah, I think I didn't mind it. And I think against Marseille, it was fairly easy for him as well. Yeah, he picked up his goal in the 80th minute to round it off um, 3-0 for Man City. Yep. All right, so moving on again. So Liverpool 2, it's Midgetland, nil. Midgetland, yeah, nil. Midgetland. So what did you think of this one? Well, firstly, I was shocked by um, Liverpool's starting lineup. Did you see how they um, lined up? They really rotated their their squad, especially the the front three. So, the, um, out of the famous front three, none none of them started. They started with Origi, Minamino, and Jota up top. Um, also, nice to see um, Shakiri get a start there as well um, through the midfield. And Wijnaldum still can't get a start, even though that they rotated their squad and uh, Fabinho had to drop back to centre-back. He's still not finding starts. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure if that's something that's coming off the transfer speculation to Barca at the start of the year. But, yeah, he can't get a start. But, yeah, Liverpool, um, too good. Um, They did make some changes late on and bring on um, some of the bigger names. But, yeah, too strong for Michelin. What do you think? Um, Yeah, I was was a bit surprised with the the starting lineup. I suppose Klopp's focusing on... Um, getting those front three rested. But um, I, I genuinely forgot about Jordan Shakiri. I thought he'd left, um, it, but he just popped up. I thought the difference yesterday between two teams was um, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, just his passing, for, his passing for the first goal was excellent, and then he slid Salah in to put the game beyond doubt to win that penalty. Um, yep. Just that, just that little bit of extra quality because they, they seemed a little bit flat, but I think that you can attribute that to not having the – the front three out there, um, but Michelin were far, or Michelin were far from disgraced. But um, yeah, Liverpool just too good. Yeah, I, I like it. um, it's it's difficult because I suppose they need to that front three need to get rested, and need to get um, rotated because obviously they can't play all the games. But I just found it interesting that he didn't keep um, like one of them on there and rest the other two, or you know just rotate one out, um, stuff like that, rather than just taking them all out and then putting them all back in. Um, it just seems like a lot of changes. Yeah, but. I don't think, from memory, I don't think they had a shot on target in the first half either. So I think it was a bit of an adjusting period for them. And I still feel, I still feel like they're feeling the shock from the Van Dyke absence a little bit as well, just that leadership. Yeah, yeah. I think apart from apart from the front three and, and Shakiri looked like a pretty full-strength team. Um, so the base of the team, Allison played. Um, and the, the back four was as strong as that he could choose at the moment, Klopp, um, with Van Dyke being out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's another story, isn't it? All right, so Mochen Gladbach 2, Real Madrid 2. So this is a very historic fixture. Um, but Real got out of jail, didn't they? Couple of late goals. Um, what are we talking? Two two. Um, there were two goals behind. Benzema in eighty six and Casemiro in the ninety second. Real are really struggling um, in the Champions League so far, aren't they? A couple of um, tough results. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand this one. Um, like they should. 
obviously beaten Barca on the weekend. Like they had a lot, a lot of shots Real Madrid yesterday, um, and a lot of possession. But they just like they just lacked that cutting edge. Um, and it's weird with the like because they played with um, Vinicius, Benzema, and Asensio, and they just dominated. But apparently at half time. Benzema and uh, someone else were talking and they said Vinicius just plays for himself um, in Spanish and Vinicius was standing there, but he couldn't understand them. Um, uh, they, they said it in French and uh, so he couldn't okay. understand it, yeah, um, and said that he, he plays for himself, don't pass it to him, yeah. Yeah, so a bit of disharmony there for Zizou to uh, rectify, but no, great great double from Marcus Jerome. More good football goals from watching Gladbach. Um, really enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I think it's a bit dangerous to just talk about um, how Real Madrid slipped up without mentioning um, how good um, Wooten Gladbach, Gladbach were. But I think if you're Benzema, that's got to be a tricky week on the training ground, don't you think? Like you think you're talking confidence to one of your mates in the, in the tunnel. Um, and, of course, the cameras um, that are everywhere at the moment pick that up. And, um, and put it on um, social media and it runs around the world. So now you've got to roll up the training and and um, and try and answer that to him or something like that. I'd, I'd probably throw in a um, mistranslation or something like that, curveball in there. But <laughs> that's, that's, when I was, it's when there I was for reading, all <laughs> When I was reading um, – oh, actually, I watched the last – I think I watched the last 20 minutes of this game. And at that point, they had Tony Cruz, Casemiro – um, Benzema, Asensio, um, and Modric on the ground. And I thought I was looking at a Real Madrid team from 2017. <laughs> Some of those players have been there forever, haven't they? Yeah. Or, just, like, or does it feel like that because they won all those Champions League and it feels like they've been there forever? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. They um, they have – Zizou's been reluctant to move away from that core. Um, but the for the second goal – for watching Gladbach, um, the ball went out to the right. Um, they've gone down the touchline, whipped back across, and then it's a bit of a scramble, and then it's fallen to Churam. I think it's Furlan Mendy. He's standing out basically on the touchline, like the back line of the field with his arm up, asking for offside. But then you sort of see him look across, and he's like, oh, shit, I'm obviously playing him onside. But he, just, he was just so slow to react. Like that goal was absolutely preventable. Um, preventable, but yeah, it's just a weird, a weird um, performance from Real and Vinicius really struggled. As you said, I think it's going to be a weird week on the track, and I think he his confidence is going to be shot a little bit. I agree. Good news for Real, but Eden Hazard came on and he looked fit. As oh, he did not, mate. Come on, Jesus <laughs> <laughs> coming off a big Christmas and Easter, all rolled into one. <laughs> um, all right, so the other the other Madrid team, Atletico, three Salzburg, one. Um, Atletico a little bit uninspiring, um, but they didn't have to get away with it. And Simeone was fuming. What'd you make of this one? What, what was um, Simeone fuming about? What was his problem? Uh, they just fell behind, um, and it doesn't take that much to to tick Diego off. But um no, so they they went ahead through Lorente um, with a nice strike early. Then um, I can't say his name, but I think it's Zabosli scored with the outside of his right peg. If you haven't seen this one, have a look. It's always nice to see someone doing the old outside of the right foot. Bit of an own goal after that. So I think the own goal um, at the start of the second half there was enough to tick Simeone off. And that got Atletico into gear. 
So that brought Yao Felix into the game. And I know you're a fan of Yao, but he turned this game on its head. Uh, he did. Got a couple of goals, but the one that I want to talk about is the one that he didn't score. Did you see that um, nice little ball over the top of the um, centre-backs? And then um, he was sort of clipped into the box. And then instead of bringing it down or taking a touch, he's just gone the side volley straight away from this long ball. So it's gone over his right shoulder. Then he's like flicked onto his side to do this like side volley and cracked it against a crossbar. If that had went in, that would have been some goal. He's He's got... Um, and building on that, his technique is just – he's so good to watch with the ball. Um, even for the last goal, I know it's not like technically perfect, but the way the ball was like smacked at him, he took a touch similar to Kimmich where it set up for him and he just volleyed it home. And it just looked like everyone – like he was moving at a pace and everyone else just seemed to be moving slower than he did in the box. He's When he's, when he's like playing and moving the ball around, he's so good to watch. Um, but he was the difference in that game. They um they've done well to turn around. What they they got beaten um, last week, didn't they? In the in the Champions League, yeah. Athletic, so they so can feel a little bit unlucky, but um yeah, it's, it's a bloody tough group to get out of. Um, so Atalanta two, Ajax two. So another comeback. Um, Ajax went up two 0 So their superstar striker um, Traore got himself a goal, fairly ugly goal, but um, then Atalanta just turned it around. What did you think of this one? Yeah, like Atalanta are a good team to, to watch, aren't they? Um, Love them. So I um, this I had a clash with this game, so I couldn't I couldn't watch it. But yeah, I think um, the result was I was only looking at the result, but um, yeah, the results are sort of um, what I thought they would be. Um, good to see Tadic um, get on the score sheet for for Ajax, um, and I think this group's really sharpening up now, and um, it will be really interesting to see who gets through this one. Did you see the pen? The pen that Tadic tucked home was hilarious. Um, so the balls come into the box, and um, I think it's Jamisti. <laughs> like he basically just kicked him in the head. He tried like this weird clearance with the side of his foot about six foot off the ground. Um, if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favour and go and watch it. But Tadic tucks it home. But then it was all about um, after the second half was all about Duvan Zapata. He was immense. Yeah, it was good. The um the after two games, Liverpool are on top with six points. Um, Atalanta second with four, and Ajax a third with one. And Michelin um won't travel the scorers, I don't think. So, yeah, it'll be tight in this group, I think. Do Atalanta play Liverpool next. Six pointer. Jeez, oh, what a game. Um, that'll be a good one. So, um, I'm actually tipping Atalanta early here, unless something happens next couple weeks. So PSG two. Istanbul, Bashikshahir, nil. What do you think of this one? Well, firstly, Moisey Keane couldn't cut it um, at Stoke, but here he is. Um, everyone loves saying that. But he got, he got both the goals for PSG, um, did rather well. But the first thing I want to cover um, is PSG's strip. What did you think? The Jordan strip. Oh, terrible. <laughs> So when no good. when they said I was listening to the pre-game and they said oh PSG are playing in their Jordan kit and I assumed like I'm just not great with branding but I assumed that was the country of Jordan it also bought into PSG and I was like my god like what happened to fair play um but it was actually the Michael Jordan brand yeah ugly very ugly 
Um, what are they doing? And, and I think their performance was reflective of that. Like, I know they're, like, they're struggling to, you know, rub two cents together, but, yeah, I, I wasn't a fan. They have a very nice strip traditionally, but they were really flat yesterday. The other thing I was uh, a bit disappointed with was the performance of PSG was terrible, and then I thought Moise Keane, having um, struggled at Everton, done not much, comes into the Champions League against Istanbul. You're playing for PSG. You've scored a goal in the, was it, like, 70th or 60th minute? Just relax. Like, just don't go off and do a dance. Don't do the dances twice. I know you're excited, but it's Istanbul, Bakasha here in an empty stadium, and you're playing for PSG. Just settle down. Yeah. I, But I can't believe the game was only 2-0. So, firstly, because um, PSG had, like, a few chances and their finishing was, was off. I think um, Mbappe had some really good chances. But also um, Istanbul as well, they had some really good chances. Like nothing that, where they really cut um, PSG apart, but they had some good chances from the top of the box. So, yeah, interesting that um, it was only 2-0 and uh, it was a weird atmosphere there, wasn't it? Yeah, and I did I did wonder if there was a bit of shell shock um, for PSG after Neymar went off. So I think everyone is collectively holding their breath because um, he got the hook in the well, roughly 20th minute um, for Sarabia. So this could be a big problem for PSG if they want to go deep. Obviously, they got mugged off by United last week um, and will probably get mugged off by United again. But, yeah, Neymar's adductor injury was probably the biggest story out of this one. Thoughts and prayers with Neymar. Um, you've got the shirt on, which is good to see. Um, <laughs> but, but let's go on to the big fixture um, of this round. Juve, Neil, Barca, two. What did you think? Yeah, again, it wasn't. It was not impressed with Juve, um, and I made my thoughts clear a couple of months ago as to what I think of Perlo. Um, yeah, I, Juve just didn't inspire me at all. Murata had what three goals ruled out for offside. Yeah, Murata scored a hat trick. All of them ruled out. <laughs> uh, yeah, just I was very uninspired with Juve. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I well, no Ronaldo, which obviously hurts. Um, Hurts uh, Juve and a cheeky tweet after by um, Barcelona saying it's good to see the goat out on the pitch tonight. So I didn't really enjoy that. Um, we said Marata, um scored a hat trick, um, but they were all disallowed, which was um, a little bit unusual. I don't think I've ever heard of that before, to be honest. So um, that was a little bit unusual. But I thought for Barca, um, Pedri did so well. The the young lad. Um, I'd never seen him play before, um, and yeah, he's just so sharp. So, like when when well, like when they come through the academy like that, or like he he started there when um, he got transferred in um, late through the academy, but still um, one of their academy guys. You just, you just see like the youthful exuberance come through him. Like when he comes on the pitch, he just doesn't play with any fear. He's just like. Um, just like dive straight into it, and he like he's not afraid to to try things, even though he's playing for for Barcelona. Um, so everything he did sort of um come off and and um and seemed to work for him um tonight, but last night, sorry, and yeah, but yeah, he looked he looked really good. I was really um impressed with him. Um, but um, yeah, I think for Juve, they just look really flat, especially up front. But I think part of that is Ronaldo. But is he really going to make them look? 
um, any sharper. Like he's he's normally the finished product. Like he's not going to be um, getting in in behind and and creating too much. He's normally the finished product. So I don't think missing Ronaldo would um, you know make them lose any any sort of dynamism um, in that front third. Um, what I wanted to see was um, them start um, Bernadeschi, but he didn't start. But then when he did, um, he's he come on and his pace um, caused some trouble. But even though he came on so late, he didn't have a lot of time to to work um, to work and to get into the game. Especially at that point, they were one 0 down before they got their late goal. So yeah, a little bit disappointing from. So, so two other things. So the the sending off obviously um, hurt them, but Griezmann hits the post in the third minute and. Like Barca basically were on top from then, but the penalty was so disappointing. Um, like just such a clumsy challenge on Fati late. Like I know it was fairly late in the game, but it was just so dis- like it's so un Juve like. Like normally they're very um, vigilant in defence, but yeah, yeah I, thought- I think. It, it, but if you're looking at it at that at that point, they're chasing the game and they're they're just trying to get things moving. So it's like their style and what they would normally do is out the window. So I think if you watch, if you watch the last 20, you, you probably would think, gee, that's a very un performance. But um, like for, um, for like methodology reasons, but um, I think if you looked at it at the start of the game, that they did try and, and play how they normally play. But, yeah, they just got outplayed by Barca. Didn't have anything to trouble them, I don't think. Yeah, it was very, very disappointing. Um, I was I was looking to Dybala to inspire, but yeah, it just just wasn't happening for him. Um, what do you think? Is Perlo in trouble? I don't think so. I think it's a little bit early, and I think him being who he is, I think he's got some time on the clock. What, what do you think? Do you think he's in trouble? I, th- I think I think it's like because Juve are one of these super clubs. Uh, what do they want? Seven, eight in a row. Um, uh, yeah. And so they're currently in fifth. They've won two out of five. Champions League's looking a bit scratchy. I think these things can compound very quickly um, if you're Perlo. So I think I think he could be in a bit of trouble. Uh, we'll wait and see. But let's go on to what you've been busting to get on to, mate. Um, Manchester United God. 5, the energy drink, nil. Oh, I thought we'd never get here. Um, what a performance. Dr. Marcus Rashford comes on, um, bangs home a hat-trick. Ollie's got the boys purr and he's the best manager in Europe. Everyone knows that. But like, it was just such a, a comprehensive performance. Um, so from the outset, like, Manchester United looked very solid and um, like we're, we're a bit more comfortable without the ball. I think everyone knows that. And Arby like to have the ball and press forward. So Arby are top of the Bundesliga too. I just want everyone to know that. So they are ahead of Bayern Munich in the league. Um, but they look, Arby, Arby looked threatening a little bit. But I think like Manchester United just looked so good. The the lineup in this one um, got a bit of a reshuffle and Ollie's been criticised for... Um, you know, not refreshing the team, but it just shows that he does have a squad that he can play with, so it's not really an excuse. But um, back four of Wambasaka, Lindelof, Maguire, Shaw, um, all excellent, De Gea and goal. The manager managed got to start. Um, Fred next to Pogba, and then Donny came in in that sort of attacking midfield role with Mason Greenwood and Anthony Martial up top. And, like, it just So, where, so where did manage how – did they, how did they structure that, that four then? So Fred and Maddich across the front of the back four there um, yeah. just protected him. And, and Fred's got a bit of an engine on him, so he sort of did box to box. And then Pogba. Pogba seemed to be drifting out to the uh, to the yeah, to the the yeah left quite a bit. Um, I don't know if that was a tactic or it's just how he wanted to play. And then Donny just sort of 
got around and got these clever little touches in. But um, Pogba looked really good. Um, he cut in off the, the left for the goal, slid in Mason Greenwood. And there's a lot of talk about um, Opamancano from Arby. He looked terrible. People get way too excited about a defender who takes the ball out from the back and you know carries it forward. But defensively, he looked so easy to get at for the pace of Greenwood, Marcial, and then Rashford when he came on. Um, very disappointed. But Pogba slides it in. Greenwood uh, potentially offside. What did you think of that one? Yeah, well, I think people could tell me that um, the offsides aren't up for debate. They're, they're exact. So... Um, but it's it really is just down to where you draw the lines, really, isn't it? But apparently that was his first um, shot in the Champions League and um, and a goal. What a shot! Um, yeah, so he moved he moved up a Meccano a little bit too easily for my liking for a, a big centre back. Like I think if you're a centre back, you need to be you need to do better than that. There, like he just cut across him way too easily. Tucks it home. Greenwood doesn't miss. Um, so. Yeah, that was that was the first goal, and then um, Arby sort of pressed a bit more there after that. But Manchester United's defence just looked comfortable; um, wasn't really troubled. You were waiting for a Harry Maguire howler, didn't come, and then the second half. Wow, um, Donny Van der Beek um, came off in the 68th minute for Bruno Fernandes, and uh, Marcus Rashford came on as well. But um, Donny Donny Van der Beek um, wasn't excellent, but he was solid for his first start. Um, got in, clever little touches. He's so good at keeping the ball um, and looked right at home. But uh, That's that Ajax that um, blood coming through him. Um, it is, yeah. Keeping, on the ball, keeping the ball and, and rotating it. But are you concerned a little bit that, um, I, I suppose, one for Donny because um, he started, um, you know, you're on top and you had the lead, but then when he comes off, things really open up. Is that a red, sort of a red flag for Donny? And then secondly, um, is it a bit concerning um, that you sort of finish these games with a bit of a flurry? So you've got four of the goals in the last 17 minutes. Um, no, I don't. I think not for Donny at all. I think like the game was a bit of an arm wrestle that opened up and I don't think that like that was reflective of Donny's performance. Um, I heard that on Optus Sport yesterday, actually. They were like, oh, it's not good news for Donny van der Beek. Donny van der Beek was good for the 68 minutes he was on. Um, Arby tried to push a little bit more um, after that to try and get back in the game. And then I think, yeah, just cascaded and um, they sort of went to water a bit. I don't think that's reflective of Donny's performance. I thought he mm-hmm. was good. Did enough. Um, and But like you bring on bring on a fresh market, Marcus Rashford against a tiring back four and the creativity of Bruno Fernandes. Like anything could happen and it did. Um, so, yeah, Bruno, like uh, Marcus Rashford just looked so sharp when he came on for those last sort of 20 minutes and they just couldn't live with him. And Bruno Fernandes, like he's just so – when he's got a bit of space, tiring defence, like it was just way too much for him. But Marcus Rashford, brilliant hat-trick. He, I think he, it was either Kunate or Upamecano that he's – done the sort of inside out quickly and just left him for dead. And his pace after he got through from halfway, like they were just never anywhere near him. Um, what a ball from Bruno Fernandes. But I, that's where I think the centre-backs were caught out of position completely. Like Bruno Fernandes just hooks it forward and there's no centre-back in sight because Meccano's up the field trying to play passes in the attacking third. 
Yeah, but I suppose at that point they're, they're chasing the game a little bit. Um, so potentially that that's that's a reason. But I, to be fair, I didn't watch the the full game. I was watching the the other game, um, Juve and Barca. But the other thing I want to catch you on was um, Rashford not taking the pen and giving it to Martial for Martial to score his first when that would have been Rashford's hat-trick. So Rashford took the ball and put it down. There was a quick discussion and then Martial ended up taking it. What do you think? So I just think that just speaks volumes of the character of Marcus Rashford, doesn't it? He just keeps just keeps giving, doesn't he? I think in the back of his head, he also knew oh, I'm going to complete my hat trick today, regardless. Arby have Arby have gone to water. No, look, Martial needed a goal. He hasn't scored this season, um, and I think that's just the type of bloke that Marcus Rashford is. Yeah, I think that's probably a bit more accurate that to to get Martial some some confidence um, and get on the score sheet. That it's probably best that he took it so um with that being said we are done with oh, just, the, just run me through oh, that group run else? me through the table for that group quickly um do you have oh, any phone not loading no so I'll we'll move you, on give you a red hot tip united top convincingly um and then uh whoever else who cares um we need 10 points to get through so that's the goal Okay, I've got the um, Premier League table in front of me, though, Man fifteenth. But so we might go to the Premier League now, um, and I'm happy to see it back. First up, we've got Wolves versus Palace. What do you think? Well, I can't get a gauge on Wolves this season. Um, I think we moved on from Manchester United too quickly. But look, I just can't get a gauge on them. Like they're they're. They're sitting in ninth, but they haven't been themselves a little bit for me. Um, still got a negative goal difference. And, yeah, I think they could get caught out here. I just don't know if – like Palace seem to be flying under the radar a little bit. So it's eighth versus ninth. But I think Palace might steal this one. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I agree. Wolves have been up and down, but I think they'll have too much class for them, um, especially at home. I think um, Palace might might struggle to um, break them down and and get the goals needed to to beat Wolves. I think Wolves at home um, will be good for a couple of goals, and I don't think Palace have that in them. But yeah, I think it's an intriguing um, fixture, and that's sort of uh, I think these two teams are going to be around each other um, all all year. So yeah, I think this is sort of a, a six pointer in that um, top half of the the middle of the table, really section so yeah intriguing fixture i think and a nice way to start the the weekend but let's go to chef united man city can man city carry their champions league form over into the prem because so far they're a bit stuttery um around 13th at the moment in the prem um but coming off a good champions league win what do you think yeah uh sheffield united desperately need a win um, they're currently winless, but I, yeah, I think City it just hasn't come together for them in the Premier League. Are they going to be strikerless again? No Jesus, no Aguero on the weekend. Yeah, well, they'll probably play Sterling like they did. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's going to be as effective in the Premier League, um, especially against a resolute Johnny Egan and Sheffield United. But they, they've just looked a little bit off the last couple of weeks. I wonder if Guardiola's magic is uh, slowly coming to an end. I think City should probably be too good in this one. But, um, yeah, they need to play themselves back into some form in the league. What do you think? I think yeah, well, I think City will get it done. Um, uh, like, it's going to be a battle against um, Sheffield United, but I think that they'll just cut them up. 
Um, a little bit too easy. I think um, Chef United, they just don't have the, the force going forward to, to trouble um, Man City, I don't think. Um, and I think this is one of those games where Man City could run up a bit of a score and sort of get their get their mojo back in the prem. Um, as we said, they've done rather well in the Champions League, but um, struggling a bit in the in the prem. So yeah, if they fire a few in here against nineteenth um, Chef United, I think they can kickstart their season, and start climbing um, up the ladder. Because if they leave it too much longer, um, there will be a bit of a gap um, to the top of the table. So they're already five points um, behind. So yeah, they need to do something and get it, get themselves going. I think. Yeah. All right. So next one we've got to go to is um, Burnley versus Chelsea. Who do you like here? Is it? No. Aren't we doing Burnley? Oh, you've got it in there twice, mate. What's going on? Oh, it's a big game then. Um, no. So Burnley Chelsea is the is the game. So don't worry about oh, Spurs. Okay. I was uh, reference back to their midweek game with Spurs. Um, I thought they were a bit unlucky on Tuesday, to be honest. I thought Spurs were a little bit, a little bit uninspiring again, but um, but too good. So, what do you think of Burnley this week against Chelsea? Burnley Chelsea. Well, I think um, Burnley did rather well um, last week. Uh, like, I think I think they made it tough for um, for Liverpool. So, I was um, I was kind of impressed with that. Like, it was a no, tough for Spurs. Sorry, tough for Spurs. Um, yeah, like I was. I just think that um, Reno's team sort of. Um, just got down to their level and, and battled. Um, I'm not 100% sure if Chelsea would be able to do that if the flavour of the game went that way. So I think if Burnley can wrestle it towards that um, more direct football and more combative football and just like individual challenges all the time, um, I, yeah, I think Burnley got a real chance to, to take some points. But um, Chelsea did rather well during the week, um, 1-4-0 in their Champions League fixture. And at um, one point... They had, are you ready for this? Pulisic, Havertz, um, Werner, Callum Hubsett-Odoi and Zajacek all on the pitch all at once. So um, as I've just said, if Burnley can wrestle it their way, I think Chelsea might be in trouble. However, if Chelsea can get the ball on the ground and start playing um, with those top players, I think they'll they'll be too strong and get, get it done against Burnley. Um, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it's it's an intriguing battle. I think Burnley uh, again they're they're sitting below the dotted line, um, which isn't great for them. But I just think they haven't looked like a beaten side. Like they're still battling, they're still in it. Um, Phil Bardsley's obviously out with coronavirus, um, and they do have a fairly fairly shallow squad. But yeah, I'm interested to see what Frank does. They've obviously had a big win during the week, but they I don't think he solved those defensive problems yet, and I'm still not 100% convinced on Mendy yet. Um, Thiago Silva was rested, didn't travel this week, um, so he'll be he'll be fit and fire and ready to go. But, yeah, I'm just so interested to see what attacking lineup Frank goes with um, after this week because could just they could absolutely batter Burnley with their attacking talent, but that defense is still very leaky. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, so we might go to Liverpool, West Ham. So Liverpool at home here. What, what are you thinking? This is the one. I'm tipping this for an upset. I'm tipping. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think Moisey's is getting it done. Um, it was good for good for that um, famous front three to get a bit of a rest in this week. But um, yeah, they just I don't know. That first half didn't inspire me uh, for Liverpool. And I, I think they've got troubles at the back. Good news is for them. I think that uh, Mikel Antonio might miss out. Um, I think he is injured from last week. But, um, yeah, look, I 
we'll just seem a little bit off. I know, like, the performances have been okay, but, yeah, I just think that Virgil van Dijk thing is still sort of hovering over them. Um, yeah, and I just don't know what combination, because Matip's out as well, isn't he? And then, so Joe Gomez is the only real starter left, so it could be Reese Williams in at the back. Um, well, he came on for when uh, Fabinho got injured um, during the week and, yeah. and played the rest of the game. So, And Jordan Henderson got the hook at halftime during the week as well. Um, I don't know if that was planned or if that was related to injury, but Thiago's a doubt and so is Naby Keita. So... Like, Antonio was forced off, and I think his hamstring's going to rule him out for West Ham, but I still think that West Ham might be able to cause an upset here. What do you think? Yeah, interesting. We said that last week, didn't we, with Antonio, that um, that was the downside of him, and, and we couldn't work out why he hadn't strung, you know, 20, 22 goals season together, um, and it's just because of injuries, and here he is injured again. But, uh, yeah, I think although Liverpool are hurting um, from the, the Van Dyke incident, I think, that, like, you've really got to move on, like, the more it goes around in the in the media and if it is in their own heads, I just think it's just going to cause them more trouble. Like at the end of the day, he's only one player and you've got a bunch of other centre backs that can that can do it. So yeah, I think that they just need to move on or um yeah, like try and shuffle their um their pack a little bit and bring someone in. Um I think they'll they'll be too good. I think if Antonio was in, I would go with you and I would be on the West Ham um, train, but yeah, I just think without Miguel Antonio, um, yeah, I'm just not sure how how their goals are going to come. So I've got Liverpool in a close one. Yeah, fair call. All right, so next game is Aston Villa versus Southampton. What do you think of this one? Uh, this one should be pretty straightforward for Aston Villa. I think sitting third, and um, if they pl- and they've got a game in hand as well, actually, so they, they could go top if they play play their cards right. Um, but the Saints doing well as well, but I just think Villa at home, um, Barkley and um, and Grealish form um, would just be too much for them. I think they'll get it done, but I think it'll be tight, low scoring. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, so in 2020, only Liverpool, Manchester City have won more games than Southampton in the league. Um, so I think the Saints are booing to something. Um, I think, yeah, I do like Aston Villa, but um, they're a bit disappointing last week, and I think that might continue. I'm actually tipping Saints to take this one out. Um, I just think uh, they've got gone. I was going to say Southampton have won um, five out of the last six, and the one they didn't win was only a draw. So that's interesting. Yeah, so I think I think their form's quite good. Um, obviously, Villa have had a fantastic start to the season, including that hammering of Liverpool. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I might have a bit of a, a bit of a bias here, but I actually like Southampton in this one. Yeah, okay. I just think Ollie Watkins um, and, as I said, um, Grealish and Barkley can just be too much of them. I just can't see where um, the Saints could hurt them um, other than the obvious being Ingsy. Ingsy. Oh, Ingsy's got Ingsy. Che Adams is scoring again. They're bloody flying. I think Che Adams going to tap in from six yards out on his right foot the what other a- week, mate. It's only scoring. <laughs> What a goal. Um, yeah, no, look, I, I, I genuinely like Southampton. I think Ralph, Ralph, I really like Ralph Hasenhutl as a manager, so I think Southampton are going to pip him. So next one, uh, another manager that you're a big fan of. So Brucey's boys, Newcastle, take on high-flying Everton. Who do you like in this one? Yeah, I think, yeah. I think Everton <laughs> I think Everton will uh, squeeze out a result. They slipped up last week, but 
yeah, I think they can get back on track um, here. They're, it's away at um, Newcastle, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, that's going to be tough. Yeah, All those Geordies running around the stadium. Yeah, no one, no one wants that. Um, but no, I think I think they'll be too strong. I think uh, like Hummers had that injury scare where I, re- I read that he was injured and then I, I tune in and he's playing. So I think if he's fit, um, the eyebrow should be able to get it done. But a real battle of the minds here. You've got um, Carlo Ancelotti versus uh, Steve Bruce. So yeah. yeah, so Dwight Gale and Matt Ritchie are unavailable for Newcastle. I don't think that's going to have a huge um, impact on them. But um, yeah, potentially, I'm, I'm reading again, Ames <laughs> Rodriguez might be injured this week. Um, so there's question marks over really. him. Yep. So um, obviously, Richarlison's out, Seamus Coleman's out, and Luca Dina is also suspended. I think this one could be a very frustrating day for Everton. I actually think this will be a nil or draw. Even with no, Calvert-Lewin, no. even with Calvert-Lewin in the form years, I think Brucey's boys can park the bus um, and... Stay. I think Darlow, Darlow's in very good form too in goal for Newcastle. And you don't really want to be talking about the form of a goalkeeper. But, um, yeah, I think I think it could be a frustrating afternoon for Everton. And I actually think this will be a draw. And I think this will be the week that Liverpool can go back up. Well, if they lose to West Ham, but... Yeah, so I've got you there, right? So you, yeah. you're saying that um, Everton will draw. Um, Liverpool will get beaten by West Ham. You yep. tip the Saints against Aston Villa, yep. which means you think Leicester will be top by the end of the week. That's, that's quick math. Um, no, I haven't said Leicester will win yet. Um, but <laughs> no, I'm, I'm tipping the uh, – like we've had. I think this has been the craziest start to the season for memory in some time. And I think that craziness is going to continue. Um, but, yeah, look, let's, let's, let's crack on with that and my wild predictions. But, I think, yeah, Newcastle good for a point here. Now okay, move on to – Bruce can do it. <laughs> Now we move on to the big game of the weekend. Manchester Let's United go. versus Arsenal. Who do you like in this one? If you had have asked me this last week, I would have said Arsenal. Um, but, yeah, having seen Manchester United's performance um, during the week, you probably just got to lean towards them, don't you? Like Arsenal drop points um, against Leicester, Jamie Vardy late goal, and um, and Man and Man United um, just beating RB five nil. I'm just not sure you can move past them at, at this point if you're tipping anyone. What will be interesting is what Oli does with the squad. Does he does he stick with um, what he rolled out in the Champions League, or does he go back to what he had? Um, more recently in the Premier League, where he plays Fred and McTominay um, with Fernandez in front. To protect that back four, um, I th- what do you think on that team selection? Yeah, I think I think Ollie sees this as a big enough game. If we're just going straight after the Leipzig game and giving a prediction, I would say Manchester United probably win about eight nil. Um, but I think we need to be more circumspect than that. And I think Ollie sees this as a big enough game to play that more defensive team. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see um, Scott McTominay and Fred in front of the back four again. Yeah. Uh, but then Paul Pogba was very good during the week so I'd be like he should be starting um, plus you got Edison Cavani to throw in the mix there you imagine Rashford's got to come back in but Martial's the main man like yeah it's that's the big question isn't it what, what's he going to is he going to roll out Dan James is this a big enough game to roll out Dan James I hope not but um, it's possible but yeah, I, th- I think he'll go back to I think he'll go back to the counter-attacking one but I think you'll see Martial Greenwood and Rashford as a front three, 
and then I think you'll yeah. be Fernandez. I I can't decide what he's going to do with that Pogba scenario, but Pogba should start. Like with his yeah. passing, he could really hurt Arsenal. Do you think? I, I think. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to to predict, isn't it? But if if he goes back to what he knows, he'll probably play Fred um, and and uh, McTominay as at the base with um, Fernandez in front. Um, I just think with all the goals that Manchester United were leaking, um, I suppose I say were because they um, have been kept a couple of clean sheets more recently. Um, that's why he brought in Fred and McTominay just to sit in front and you just have that block of six that, that's hard to break down. I think the evolution of this Manchester United team will be to eventually bring in Pogba um, and then Fred or McTominay gets gets moved on. And instead of playing with a two at the base with a one up top, I think they'll play with a one at the base with the two up top. And I think Fernandez and Pogba will play next to each other. I think that's the evolution of the team. Um, but when um, Oli pulls a trigger on that, um, I'm not sure. So, so I suppose I'm really interested I'm really interested to see how Arteta reacts because if, like, say that scenario plays out where Oli plays that more defensive team. So Arteta's had a week to think about Leicester doing basically the same thing, um, where Leicester were comfortable sitting back and Arsenal just couldn't break them down. Um, so I'm wondering if that, Arteta's had a week to think about that, um, and I reckon in a week someone with the footballing brain of Arteta will go close to, if not um, probably solve that problem. So I, I don't know. I think Oli needs to like Oli needs to put his thinking cap on a little bit here and be like, how are actually how are Arsenal going to play? Um, yeah, because I, uh, yeah, uh, I think Arsenal have to change something from last week. They were just so lethargic, and just that continuity between midfield and the strikers, it just wasn't there. It wasn't there, but I think if you're Ollie, I just think you look at the Leicester game, you just think, gee, that's a bit of a blueprint, and I probably trust my front three more so than Leicester's front three to to break them down or, or punch them on the counter is more what I'm looking to say. Punch them on the counter and, and be a bit more dangerous because if you look at Leicester, they only tried to do that for the last 20 minutes when Vardy come on, and they did it with Vardy on his own. But if you're doing it with three... Um, with um, Greenwood, um, Martial and Rashford, I think you're probably going to get much more joy. So, yeah, I'm probably leaning towards it. They will bring in uh, Fred and McTominay at the base, um, play Fernandez, and then, yeah, try and beat him on the counter. I think if you're Ollie, it's it's, it's the way to go because um, Arsenal are going to have more of the ball and if they play anything like they did last week, they're not going to trouble your back four, really, Whoa, although that is Manchester United's back four. Yeah, I think I think I I think I I think Fred and Pogba will start in front of that, and I think Pogba's range of passing or what it will be what unlocks those front three um, for the counters. But yeah, I think fundamentally agrees that one position. I think Pogba's going to start. I think Pogba should okay. start as well. Yeah. So uh, you saying game. you should be a cracking game? Are you saying match of the round or is Leeds um, Leicester? Um, I think I think this is comfortably match of the round. Um, mm, it's it's agree, a very agree. inconvenient time slot at three thirty a.m. Monday as well. But um, for all you Arsenal fans, don't watch the games. Just hit the blogs later and film videos about how upset you are with the loss. Um, so yeah, look, and for Manchester United fans as well, the other thing is uh, Manchester United have a COVID safe plan. So if, as soon as people come back into this, uh, ready to come back in the stadiums, Manchester United can seat. I think it's thirty thousand. So get excited. We might see fans back soon because UK just don't seem to care about the climbing coronavirus cases. Yeah, well, I kind of like the feeling that um, you and I were the last ones in that stadium. So, yeah. Yeah, last one to leave. All right, so moving on from that to um, former Manchester United manager and um, Arsenal villain Jose Mourinho's Tottenham. 
travel to I don't they don't travel anywhere. They're playing Brighton. Who do you like? Brighton this come one? up to London. Yeah, um, I like Tottenham in this one. I, like I really think Tottenham are really going to push and and challenge um, this year. Um, I'm getting more and more on board with um, what Jose is trying to do there. Um, more recently, they've they've won some games that um, that they previously would have drawn or, or, or lost. So I think yeah, he's turning the tide there. Um, he's got a big squad, Jose, to to pick from, um, and I think I'm liking that um, Harry and Son and and Bale are all going to be starting this game. I think, which would be great to finally see the them, them roll out in the Premier League. Yeah, um, so they've rolled I'll- that out. In Europa, haven't they? Yeah, I would have. <laughs> I would have said Tottenham, um, but as we speak, Tottenham have just lost to Antwerp uh, with with the uh, combination of Bale, Ali, Bergvine, and Vinicius up top. So I don't know if you can read too much into that, but a loss against Antwerp leading into it probably not the uh, greatest look. But yeah, I think Tottenham should be too strong for Brighton. Brighton are languishing down in 16th, um, but their performances have been quite good, um, and I think that's been sort of glossed over a little bit. But it'll be inter- it'll be very interesting to see because I think this might be like this could potentially be the match around just the way Brighton play and the like. The Tottenham are just so capable on their day. That front three is just ridiculous, and Kane and Son together uh, just on another level right now. But I, I really like Brighton's football, and I think that. They could push Spurs, but um, Jose is probably wily enough to overcome that, so Spurs should probably win by a few. Um, yeah, it's, okay, I, think, I think it's a tough um, one. Yeah, interesting that um, Spurs have, have lost, but um, the full-time whistle just went um, in the Leicester AEK game, and Leicester won 2-1. So boys are flying, go um, top of their group. Thank God. So we've got two fixtures left that we haven't spoken about. We'll talk about on Monday. So that's Leicester versus Leeds. And um, uh, there's another game as well, which is – oh, geez, I'm struggling here. It's I think it's – oh, it's the match of the round. It's Fulham versus West Brom. Oh. How could I have blocked that out of my memory? That'll be a cracker. Not a fan, are you, mate? That'll be the same fixture we played in 12 months in the championship. Um, oh. <laughs> all right, so look, that's it for that's it for the preview. So if you want to get in touch, email us with football played on paper at gmail.com. Um, Facebook is football played on paper, Insta at football played on paper, and Twitter at football on pods. Um, do feel free to go on and give us a review on Apple. Uh, five stars always preferred. If you have anything less, just probably don't bother. Um, all right, any more for any more. No, mate, but um, you better get some sleep after all that Carabao and all of those Red Bulls, so we'll let you go and see everyone later. All right.